be seated as we call the ushers forward this morning to receive our offering. Lord Jesus, what a privilege it is to worship you, to hear, hear stories of your redemption, to enter into your presence at, at the table at your invitation. What a profound sense of, of you in our lives this morning. We praise you for it. Lord, it would be our heart's desire, and I believe it's, it's it is in line with your desire for us as well that this, this good news, this gospel that you have entrusted us with be spread throughout our communities and across the world. So would you take our offering this morning, Lord Jesus, bless it for those purposes. May your kingdom grow, and may your name be made great because of faithfulness of your church family here at Valley Free. Take our offering as an act of worship this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So everyone has a story. Even a rock has a story. This last week, World Magazine reported on a story from NASA and the New Horizons spacecraft. Apparently, last year, the spacecraft was out in the vast region beyond the planet Neptune, some four billion miles from Earth. And out in this wilderness of space, it flew by what is called a planetissimal. And I didn't clear this with Ron Schmidt before I told this story. Where's Ron at? Okay. He already walked out on me. So he's our resident astronomer. A planetissimal is a smaller rock that is joined with another rock in what is believed to be the beginning stages of a planet. So given the name of Arokoth, principal investigator Alan Stern explained, it's teaching us how planetissimals formed, and we believe the result marks a significant advance in understanding overall planet formation. Stern further explained, and this is what caught my attention, that this is the most distant most primitive and most pristine object ever explored by a spacecraft. So we knew it would have a unique story to tell. And of course it has a unique story to tell. The psalmist tells us, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Psalm 19. You see, everyone has a story, even a rock in the deep space beyond Neptune. So you've all heard the name of Mike Lindell. You probably didn't come to church to see his mug on the screen, but there it is. He's the creator of My Pillow. What you might not know is that Mike Lindell is a native of Chaska and Carver. He's a hometown boy. You've likely heard of his life story, how he came out of a desperate addiction to meth, cocaine, and probably anything else he could get his hands on. And, he's, and he founded and leads a nationwide company, an amazing story. What you might not know is that his remarkable transformation is a result of the work of Christ in his life. His testimony has just been released in a book and uh, I, as an aside, our own Jamie Wisely is instrumental in the development of that book, the publishing of that book. And on the cover of the book is a picture of Mike. So depending how you look at it, you either saw Mike 
I don't know, there it is. That picture was taken at, during a, a drug binge that lasted multiple days. I don't remember, 14 days or something like that. You see the remarkable contrast there. You see the old Mike, the meth addict Mike, and the new Mike. It's a visual picture of his testimony. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a story. So not surprisingly, the Bible is full of, of, of testimonies as well, pictures of people's lives that have been touched or transformed by the power of God. Consider Moses and the people of Israel when they crossed the dry sea and escaped Egypt. They sang a praise song. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. That's a testimony. Consider Peter and the apostles as they defended their faith before the religious leaders, saying, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Or consider the Apostle Paul. His testimony is written in several places throughout the book of Acts and in his letters to the churches, the epistles. But Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, everybody has a story. The Apostle John testified as an eyewitness of Jesus, both during the time of Christ's ministry here on earth and with his revelation of Jesus in heaven. And John said this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That's a testimony. Everyone has a testimony Everyone has a story. So last, last week we talked about God's story, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's important that we not lose sight of the fact that somewhere in our relationship with others, we need to seize the opportunity to present God's story to people. We need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And So today we come to the last part of the BLESS acronym as we consider outreach and what it means to get the gospel out into our communities. The letter S, and we've taken two Sundays for this letter S, sharing the gospel and sharing our story. So today we focus on the power of testimony, God's story revealed in our lives. Sharing our story with others takes the gospel beyond the realm of simple information and facts or truth and into the arena of transforming power. And I think you've seen that today. When you share how God has revealed himself to you, how your life has been forever transformed, changed, and how you now have an unshakable hope in him, it reaches into the lives of anyone who will listen to your story. So let's, let's take a, 
a few minutes this morning and, and look at the anatomy of a testimony. If you, if you do just a, a word study of the word witness or testimony in both the Old and the New Testaments, you come up with a, a, a plethora of references to this idea, and it, it's a fascinating study. So I did that, and I've come up with 10 things, 10 things that should go into a testimony that are aspects of a testimony. Let's, let's go through them. We'll just go through them quickly this morning. The number one thing, that, that aspect of a testimony, is that God is always at work. Jesus is constantly giving testimony about the work of his Father. And likewise, the Father testifies about the work of Jesus. On two different occasions, the Father declared, This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. In John 5.36, Jesus said, But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus testifying to the Father and the Father testifying to Jesus. God is always, always, always at works. I love the way John closes his gospel. He testifies that the work of God is limitless in the world. The testimony of Jesus is without end in our world and our lives. And he says at the end of John, in John chapter 21, he says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were Were every one of them to be written I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And I used to think that was hyperbole. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. If we wrote down everything that God has done, just think about the stories right here in our room, this room right here right now, how many stories are represented about the work of Christ in our lives? I don't think it's an exaggeration at all. This morning we heard a powerful testimony to the transforming power of Christ. And too often... Many of us say that we don't have a story like that, or we don't have a story that includes this, 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 and this. We don't have a remarkable story, a remarkable story that is a remarkable transformation. It's just us. Some say we haven't been addicted, we haven't, we haven't rebelled, we accepted Christ at an early age, etc., etc. Nothing remarkable. But I want you to understand something this morning, that God is always at work, and the story of that in your life is God's story, God's story of transforming. We all have a story. Number two, we are given the privilege to participate in his story. You see, not everyone has eyes to see what God is doing. Think about Moses. We'll go back to the illustration of Moses. He was sent by God to deliver the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. He had God's message. He had God's plan but no one else was let in on it. He saw what God was doing. And then there's a servant. I love this story in the scriptures. The servant of the prophet Elijah saw, what did he see? He looked out and he saw a city surrounded by an opposing army. And it was, he saw sudden destruction, sure destruction coming from this army that had encamped around the city. And he said, Elijah, what are we going to do? And Elisha simply prayed a prayer. Lord, open his eyes to see. Remember what happened? opened up his eyes, and, he, and all of a sudden, all the hills that surrounded the city were, 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 were crowded with chariots and soldiers all in the heavenly realm that God had sent to do his work of protection and judgment. We see we need to have eyes to see what God is doing. God was at work, but only those in a relationship with him could see what was happening. 
You see, that's a powerful part of our testimony. That moment, that moment when God opens our eyes and he opens our hearts to see who he is. Maybe you can remember that moment as we speak. That moment that you all of a sudden understood the depth of his sacrifice for you. Some characteristic of his, of his, of his character, his holiness, his, 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 his love for us, his grace for us, his forgive me, something Something stood out to you and the Holy Spirit just pulled back the curtain and you saw God in all of his glory. That's the moment. That's the moment. That's the moment when God opens our eyes and our hearts to see who he is. And our eyes are opened to see his work around us. Not everybody sees that. Number three, as John said in, in 1 John chapter 1, it's that our testimony is what we have seen, what we have heard, and what we have experienced. You see, not only is the truth of the gospel revealed to us, but it begins to take root in us. It becomes real. It sinks into my heart. And so my testimony includes, I've seen Jesus. My testimony includes, I have experienced the abundance of God's grace. My, my testimony includes, I've seen his power at work in my life. I've seen his transformation power at work in my life. You see, when we have seen and heard and experienced his gospel, his transforming, transforming truth, his salvation, we turn from a dead, dry religion into a relationship and experience with Jesus and his word. Number four, the gospel is being confirmed in us. This takes our, our last thought to another level. That which we have seen and heard is now taking root in our lives. Transformation is coming to light. The truths of the gospel are bearing fruit in our lives. And you see it. And other people see it. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. That's the gospel taking root. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. And then he goes on. You see, Paul is saying the gospel is being confirmed in your life. People are seeing it. When the person who led you to Christ is amazed at the transformation that they are seeing, when the coworker comes up to you and says, you know, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but something has changed in your life. That's the gospel being confirmed in your life. When your husband or your wife says that there is a remarkable change going on in your life, then the power of the gospel is being seen in you. It's being confirmed in your life. Your story includes a transformation that can only be explained by the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the only explanation for it. God is at work, and the world sees it, and you see it. How many times have you stood back and said, you know, I came to Christ 10 years ago, 20 years ago, some longer, some shorter, and we've, we've looked back on that process, that journey of faith that we've been on with Jesus Christ, and we understood that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. How many of us have stood back and said, you know what? I don't do that anymore you know what, I, I have a love for that person 
And, and five years ago, I couldn't stand that person's guts. You just fill in the blank. Where, what's the transformation? You step back and you say, oh my goodness, God is at work. God is at work. Number five, we are called as witnesses. Our testimony is to be shared with the world around us. The Great Commission passages in all four of the Gospels are clear about this. We are called to be as witnesses. Acts 1.8, which is going to be the theme verse for our missions week coming up in a couple of weeks, says that we are to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. But an even stronger calling is seen in Luke chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Let me read it for you. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. You see, you have a responsibility to be a witness with your testimony, to share your story with the world, to proclaim Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter reminds us that, that we are always to be ready to share our faith. He says to share the hope that lies within you. You see, the story of God in our lives is to be on the tip of our tongues, ready to be shared at every opportunity. This might be a good place to remind ourselves that our testimonies may not always be our salvation story. It, it, our, our testimony might include other ways that we've seen God move in, move in our lives. You know, last week I, you know, I used to, but God showed me a better way. Our testimony can go in all kinds of different directions based on what God has been doing in our life. And we, we can share that it doesn't always have to be our salvation story, although that's as we have experienced this morning, that is a powerful, powerful story. You may be speaking with someone and they're talking to you about a certain something in their lives and you can take something out of your life, out of your story, and place it into their story to bring them closer to Jesus. Number six, others will believe because of our testimony. We've, re we've referenced John chapter 4 earlier in, in other uh, discussion times. It's the woman who encountered Jesus at the well. She was drawing water from a well and Jesus was there and, and said, please give me a, a glass of water. But in the story, her story in John chapter 4, Jesus gently lays open her life. He lays open her heart and she, he lays open her need for a savior and reveals to her that indeed he who speaks to you is the savior. And in John chapter 4, verse 29, we hear her, hear her telling her story. She runs back. She leaves, leaves her pail of water, leaves it at the well, and runs back to the city, the city that has ostracized her, that has marginalized her, the city that she doesn't even, it's uncomfortable for her to even live in because everybody shames on her because of her lifestyle. She runs back to the city because she has to tell them about this Jesus. In John chapter 4, verse 29, she says, come and see a man who has known all about me. And so what happened? Remember how the story goes? They all heard her testimony. There's a man out at the well. You have got to meet him. He knows everything about me. They all dropped what they were doing. The whole village ran out to the well, and they spoke to Jesus. And what, does, what, does, what do the village people say? Remember? We've heard your testimony, but we no longer need your testimony. Because we've heard the teaching of Jesus, and we have come to faith in him. 
You see, our testimony is, the, is, is a bridge to lead people to Christ. Our, our testimony isn't the story, it's a story to bring others to Jesus. Your job and my job is to hand people off to the, to the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Others will believe because of our testimony. See, there's no testimony that is insignificant. No testimony insignificant. Number seven, a testimony can lead to suffering. Maybe we should skip this one. Okay. We don't speak often enough of this idea that sometimes there is suffering in our story. You see, the cost of standing for Jesus at times can be high. Persecution came on the first church, and it's been experienced across the generations of believers, sometimes at the cost of life itself. And Jesus said, if they mistreated me, you can count on it. They're going to mistreat you. When a life lived for Christ is visible for everyone to see, it can be an irritant to those who reject Jesus. It comes out plainly in the book of Revelation. John, the author, is exiled to the island of Patmos, because of his testimony, Revelation 1, verse 9. He's exiled to the island because of his testimony. We see pictures of saints during the tribulation period who are pursued and killed for their faith. You see, while we may never be called on to give our lives for our faith, but we will experience isolation. We will experience mocking. We will experience persecution due to our testimony in Jesus Christ. And go back to Revelation 12, verse 11. They endured, they overcame because of the blood of the, the shed blood of Jesus and the, and, the, and the word of their testimony. They stood fast even to giving their life. A testimony can lead to suffering. Number eight, our testimony overcomes and endures. We've already read, I won't read it again, Revelation chapter 12 and the great war in heaven, and Satan is cast down. In verse 11, what overcomes his accusation and his warfare? It's the blood of Jesus, and it's the testimony of the saints. His gospel received and experienced. His gospel confirmed by power and overcoming sin. Lives and testimonies given to Jesus Christ, even unto death, bring about the victory over Satan and sin. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that if I understand Revelation 12, 11 properly, our testimony rises up to heaven. It rises up to the very throne of God and endures for all eternity. I believe we are the showcase for God's grace. The whole world is looking in on us, on our lives, to see how we follow Jesus. And I believe that when we, are, when we are in heaven for all of eternity, when we're in the presence of the Lord, I believe our testimonies will be told forever. I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it. John said the, the world can't contain the books. And we're all going to share our testimony, what God has done in our lives, and I'm going to say, oh, yeah, then there was that time. And we'll just keep sharing our stories about the greatness of God. Shaping my testimony. So what do I do with this? My prayer is that we all see the beauty, the work, and the power of God's story in our lives. How do I enter into this work of God? 
for many of us, the idea of sharing our testimonies scares us half to death. For one thing, we, we don't know how to prepare it. We don't know how to shape it out. And so I have a suggestion for you. This is, this is what, we, what we always say when we ask someone to share their testimony. Here it is. I hope this is repetitive for you. Three parts. The context of my life before Christ. Your testimony should always include, where do I start? And Ken did a great job of that this morning, giving us a, a picture into his life before he met Christ and what that all meant. And that can include experiences, that can include issues in my life, it can include the way I was feeling without Christ. And then the second thing is the revelation of Christ in my life. And by that we just mean, how did you come to know Jesus? At what point in your life did Jesus intersect your life? At what point did the, as, as, as is called, the hound of heaven wrestle you down and say, you need to come to Jesus? What truth was it that grabbed your attention? What experience, what, what circumstances were going on in your life that caused you to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ? And how did he reveal himself to you? And then finally, the third part is the transformation of Christ in my life. What has God done in your life to transform where you have been? How do you see the gospel confirmed in your life? And ever since I came to Christ, my life has changed in this way. God has met me here. I'm overwhelmed by his grace. God met me in my circumstances with his strength, with his power. Those are the kinds of statements that we're looking for. The transformation of Christ in my life. When I asked Ken to share his testimony this week, he agreed. I was kind of surprised. I'm, I'm used to hearing no. And Ken said, yes, in fact, I'm working on it. Well, good. And then I said, you know, I've got an opening this week if you want. This was, this was Wednesday. I've got an opening this week if you think you're ready. He burst out laughing. And he said, not a chance, Sindelar. So we decided on a Sunday in March that he would share his testimony. The very next day, I'm sitting in my office on Thursday morning. I hear Ken's voice out at, talking to Kathleen. And he comes in my office and he hands down, puts down this stack of papers and he says, Mike, I started writing last night and it just came out. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. When you set your mind to, to, to saying, God, I want to share my story. I want to tell people what you have done in my life. He'll meet you there, and his Holy Spirit will take over, will take over, and he'll, use, he'll, he'll shape it for you, and he'll use it for his glory. So life application, what do we do with that? Take steps to document your salvation testimony. Start writing it out, just like Ken did. Just get started on it, and decide what's needed in it and what isn't. Get to the heart of the matter. I suggest you get help to think about it. I, you get help Ken and I spent 45 minutes just going through and we took a red pencil to it and we cut this out and we added this and reworded that. Get somebody to help you. Get somebody to help you. And then ask God to give you opportunities to share it one-on-one -on -one, in small groups or even here at church. And then I want you to expect God to do great things. I want you to expect that God will overcome by the word of your testimony. Now, if any of you were taking notes, you probably noticed that I didn't go to 9 or 10. 
right? Frankly, I'm a little surprised that nobody said anything. Let me close with this. I don't have time to read it right now. I'll ask the worship team to come forward. But in Acts chapter 3, you can read about it. The disciples stood before the religious leaders. I, I am going to read it. I want to make sure and get this right. Acts chapter 3. And here's the point, number 9. A testimony can reflect rejection of Jesus Christ. Look at this. So they, they've just healed a man at the temple. And Peter says this, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Listen to this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you, here it is, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. You see, if you are not in Christ Jesus, your testimony reflects a rejection of Jesus Christ. Whether it's out and out rebellion, whether it's political correctness and I'm going to shape God into the image that I want him to be in, that's reflecting your testimony without Christ. Maybe it's relying on religion or maybe it's relying on ritual as we talked about earlier. Relying on those external things instead of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We reject Christ in so many ways. And I'm asking you today, if your life is not in Christ Jesus, if your testimony is not praise to the living Lord Jesus Christ today, then what is it? What is your testimony today? What is your testimony going to be tomorrow? And let me add this. What is your testimony going to be on the day of the Lord? When you stand before the Lord and the books are opened up, your testimony will already be written in there. Denied Jesus Christ. Now, if that doesn't, if that doesn't grab a hold of your heart, I don't know what will. And number 10. Here's number 10. Your testimony can be transformed into his praise by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and starting your faith journey with him. We take in the Lord Jesus Christ. We acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. We receive his forgiveness. We recognize that he alone shed his blood for us and that his blood alone is sufficient for my sin. His substitution is alone sufficient to take my place. And come as everyone in all of history has come on bended knee and say, Lord, I am yours. And you know what? Your name is taken off of that book and written in another book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And your story is written on that page. And I pray that if you are here this morning and you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to come and receive his life and begin writing your story of praise to the great God, Jesus Christ. Amen? I'll stay after our service this morning. If you'd like to come forward, I'd be willing to pray for you, with you to that end. I hope you do that today. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the word that you have given to us. Thank you for the story you have given to us of lives that have been lost, rebellious against you, and have been redeemed and made new. A story that we pray is oft repeated, often repeated, to your praise and your glory. May we be agents, may we be witnesses of you, the living Christ, these days. In the name of Jesus, we pray.